0: Hey everyone, this is Patrick Alban from the SPMI Podcast, and you are listening to episode number 14. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining. Today we're going to go into a really important topic. It's a topic that I get asked often by athletes, parents, and coaches, and it's about why athletes stop improving. So today we're going to go into the seven reasons why you may or may not be seeing any more improvements. So definitely if you're not driving, take some notes, be ready to learn, because we're going to get into this. And we're going to go through, as I mentioned, seven areas. We're going to try to cover some of those key parts of each area. Um, a lot of the other stuff that we're not going into is really uh, also in our sessions when we work one-on-one. And of course, uh, in this program that we release called SPMI Plus. So if you like what you hear today, definitely, I, I strongly encourage that you uh, sign up for it. As I mentioned uh, in our other podcasts, there is a free 14 day trial. So there's absolutely no risk. You can cancel at any time, but we're going to cover at least you know, seven of these areas. And I want to just spend a little bit of time for each one, hoping to help my listeners and help you guys who are may or may not be struggling in these areas. And if, even if you're not struggling with these areas, it's going to help you a lot, just to improve even more and, and just kind of give everyone a different perspective of, of, you know, how to improve more, right. How to excel beyond where you are right now, so let's start out with the first area. The first reason why you may or may not be improving has to do with the way that you set your goals. Now, I've i never had an athlete who I worked with, and I've worked with well over a thousand athletes in my career individually, not even talking about teams or organizations. And I have never worked with an athlete who didn't have goals, who said, yeah, I really don't care. It's not for me every athlete I've ever worked with, they all have goals. Now, oftentimes when I first ask them about their goals, their goals are actually counterintuitive of what they really want to achieve. So they actually uh, go against, right? There's this this adverse effect. They want to, for example, be the best in their sport. They want to um, win more. They want to get a scholarship. And those are great goals. But a lot of times it's those same goals that make it more difficult to achieve them. And these type of goals that we're talking about are called outcome goals. Now, outcome goals are goals that focus on results, right? Goals like at the end of of the road, right? When we cross the finish line, so to speak, these are the goals we want to achieve. And there's nothing wrong with these goals. Obviously, they they inspire us, they motivate us, they make us feel good when we think about a lot of times, they're what gets us to work harder and, and take more risk. But then there's the other part of outcome goals, and that is that they can create a lot of pressure. And this pressure can add it can can become so detrimental that it can actually hurt performance. It can take them farther away from achieving those goals. So we want to understand how are we setting our goals and the best type of goals for everyone to really set are called process goals. Now process goals are goals that focus on areas that we do have control of that we can measure. Um, Their goals are usually smaller. They're more behavioral, uh, but we want to focus on smaller goals just like in our previous uh, previous podcast I mentioned with incremental change and understanding variation and compounding, these are small things. And what's incredible about that is small things they get bigger over time, right? It's kind of the snowball effect, right? It starts really small and then it goes down the mountain or the hill and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger as it carries more momentum. So for everyone, the first step here is to think about, you know, what are some process goals or at least one that you want to focus on, um, that you want to practice and replicate over and over to get better. Now, that's the big part, right? We need to think about, okay, smaller goals are going to lead to bigger results. Now, the second part that goes into goals is or has to do with values. And values means, hey, what do we actually care about? Because we can have all kinds of goals. I'm going to say, you know what? I have, Patrick, these result goals that I want to achieve this big thing. And also, I have this process goal where, you know, I just want to be giving my all and want to give 100% in every moment. And they're both important, but which one means more to the athlete? And that ultimately determines how far they're going to go. So if the athlete cares the most about the results or the outcome goals, then that oftentimes puts them at a disadvantage. Why? Because that's the type of goal that they have the least control of. Now, if they focus on process goals, they focus on something small and those are their values. That means that's what they care the most about. Well, there's less threat to them, right? They don't feel as much pressure because they have more control of it. So we have to understand what do we care the most about? So one thing that would be great is just to kind of think about that guys. What what do you care about? What do you obsess the most about when, you know, pertaining to, to your goals? Do you care the most about needing to prove to someone else that you belong? Do you care the most about um, achieving that, that big win? Or is it more about just showing up for practice every day, giving your all little small technical things that you're focusing on that may make a big difference over time. So definitely. Get your goals aligned. Your goals will help quiet the mind. It will help relax the body. And it's going to also help you improve a lot more to see progress faster. So yeah, the the first reason has to do with the way that athletes set goals. Now, the second reason why athletes a lot of times do not see enough improvement has to do with their mindset. And a mindset basically means an athlete's belief system. Now we all have different beliefs and our beliefs can vary depending on the sport, or depending on the situation, even in life. And that's okay. But we need to kind of listen into that narrative. We need to listen in and understand, hey, what are our beliefs about different situations? So I like to have this test for many of my athletes. And I ask them, um, you know, what are your beliefs about making mistakes? And they may say things like, Patrick, I, I hate making mistakes. If I make mistakes, I get so upset. I get so frustrated. I get down on myself. I get upset at myself. And then I kind of tweak it. I'm like, okay, well, so it sounds like, it sounds like mistakes are something that you struggle with or that you don't like. And say, so, yeah, you know, I, I just don't like making mistakes. Okay, fine. Fair enough. But let me ask you now another question, a slight variation of the question. Let's imagine that a good friend of yours or a teammate was making the same mistakes. Do you have the same mindset or the same beliefs about them when they make those mistakes? And a lot of times they may say, no. So why is that? Well, because, you know, I know they're trying hard and I know they really want it. And I know that it's not intentional. And even if they do have the same beliefs that the mistakes are still really bad, then I'll probe them even more and say, hey, let me ask you this. Do you treat those people the same as you treat yourself with mistakes? And that's where we get at the core, the values, right? Where they'll say a lot of times, no, I no, I, I would never never be as hard on them as I am on myself. Why? Because uh, I may lose them as a teammate or as a friend and it's mean and it's hurtful. Okay. Then why the heck are you talking to yourself that way? That's not fair to you. Right? So that has to do with mindset. Our beliefs about situations influence us, influence our emotions, influence our performance. And we need to really tap into what are our beliefs? What is our mindset like for every situation? Now, for many of you guys you guys struggle with mindset because it's fixed we call it so fixed is it means that a lot of times athletes they care the most about abilities they care the most about is it working or not have i achieved this goal or not and that's really bad because what that does is it creates a fragile mindset when someone has a fixed mindset now as a result any little thing that goes wrong affects them much more they become way more sensitive because they're basically telling themselves, hey, my performance or my uh, potential is based on my abilities. I'm either really fast or I'm not, right? I'm either really strong or I'm weak. I either have trained enough or that's not gonna be enough. Those are all examples of fixed mindsets. So we have to understand what's the best type of mindset to really excel. And the best type of mindset to excel, um, as a lot of you guys know, is a, called a growth mindset, but growth focuses on, it focuses on efforts, And it focuses on learning, right? So it's different. It's more about, well, what are the controllables? And there's a big difference when we value uh, learning, we value the effort over the ability, right? Because now the control is back in our hands and we call this locus of control. So if we truly believe that we have control of our destiny, or we have control at least of performing well, then that's called internal locus of control. If we believe that it's outside of our control and it's based on other factors, then that's called external locus of control. And that's another part of a, a bad mindset. So we want to make sure that the mindset is aligned more with effort, right? That we believe that we can achieve anything given the right quality and quantity of effort and, and just the learning experience and, and going out there and, and really aspiring for more. Now, does that guarantee success? Of course not, but there are no guarantees. That's the illusion. It's more about having a mindset that's strong enough to withstand much more, to go way farther. All right. So that's the, the second reason. The third reason why you may or may not be seeing improvement or any more improvement has to do with expectations. And expectations are kind of a variation of goals, but there's a huge difference between the two. And that is that expectations are based on rigid beliefs. They're basically based on these ideas that things should or have to be a certain way. And that creates a lot of what's called emotional suffering. So when athletes expect something, they're basically telling themselves that that should happen. And if it doesn't happen, then they have what what we call catastrophizing or polarities where they start to believe these extremes that, you know what, if it doesn't happen, then I'm a loser or I failed or, you know, this was all a waste of time. This is the problem with expectations, it creates these attachments, which then turns into or becomes emotional suffering. So the, the real solution here in short is to start working on dropping your expectations. Now, some of you may say, no, Patrick, expectations are good. I need expectations. But keep in mind, you may be confusing that with goals. And there's a big difference between goals and expectations. Expectations focus on things that just should happen. It's almost like a little child within us or inside of us that say, no, 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 it should be that way. No, 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 it's, it's mine. No, why are you not doing better? You've worked so hard. You should be beating that player. You should be performing better. You should be winning because last time you did. And those are the expectations. That's the expectation voice. You want to really, really clear out expectations. Cause imagine this, if an athlete has no expectations, then they have no attachments. So think about that for yourself. If you have no expectations, then you have zero attachments. This means that you can go out there, you can perform freely. You make a mistake, no big deal. You're down, you're losing, no big deal. You're underperforming, that's okay. You're able to adjust. You're able to regulate your emotions at such a high level that nothing breaks you. Now, for others, you may say, no, but there has to be some type of expectations that's good, right? Can can I have something that I'm like, man, that should happen? And I would say, yes, absolutely. Studies show that if you focus on process expectations, that's a really positive thing. So if you focus on things that you do have control over and you're like, you know what? Uh, My expectation, Patrick, is to really, really fight every moment of this competition to never give up. Well, within reason, that's a pretty good expectation because you can control effort or maybe it's preparation. Like, okay, my expectation is to be really professional with my routines. Okay. Awesome. That's something that is a great expectation because once again, you have control over that. So these are really good examples, right? I I just want you to think about that part there, which is another big reason why, you know, athletes fail to continue to improve, right? Their improvement, they kind of get stuck because of these areas. Now, the fourth reason why you may not be seeing improvement has to do with the motivational climate. Motivational climate in psychology or in sports psychology, when when we say that, it basically has to do with your environment. So every athlete I work with, they all have these environments that they train in, that they compete with, uh, compete in, and more importantly, their support team, who they surround themselves with. And a lot of times it's their motivational climate that is holding them back. So for example, they may be around negative or even verbally abusive coaches. And these coaches are constantly focusing on what they're doing wrong and they're comparing them to other athletes or other teams. And then what does it do to their belief system? What does it do to their emotional state? It affects them, right? So that's a big part, or it could have to do with parents. There could be parents that are way too result-oriented, right? They're way too focused on results and they're constantly talking about it. Once again, constantly comparing and they feel bad. They They feel like they start to get desperate and they start to panic. Or you may notice that just the environment in general is not professional enough. So then, when athletes go to train, the quality of the training isn't very good. You know, the other, um, the other colleagues, the other athletes who, who train the sport who around them, their level is fairly low. So that's the other part too. They're just not seeing a high, high enough level to really, really train the brain to get better. And then we have motivational climates where they're just overtraining them. They're giving them these monotonous drills over and over to where it tires the athlete, it bores them and they just lose interest. So there's just so many different things that occur with motivational climate that you wanna just kind of get a pen or paper and write down and say, hey, what's good? What do I like about it? What don't I like about it? What can I change or what can I improve or modify? And just get to it. That's gonna help a lot in, in terms of motivational climate. Also, the other part about it is make sure that you communicate you want to communicate with those who are a part of your team, even if they don't seem to be the nicest, that could be a problem in and of itself, but communication will solve a lot of those problems. So really talking to them and saying, Hey, you know what? I just want to let you know, uh, or I'd like to have some time to speak. And then of course, share with them all the things you like, right. But then eventually say, Hey, look, this is what I believe could be better. You know, we, we have goals that we have set for each other and we could say, you know, I believe that We both have the same goals. We both share the same vision, but it's more about the process. Let's talk about how we can make that a little bit better. And nine times out of 10, you're going to come to some agreement. That's going to be really helpful. So that's a big one as well. And then we have the fifth reason why you may not be seeing more improvements. And that has to do with, and this is a big one, actually, this has to do with the relationship that you have with your sport. So let me say that again. It has to do with the relationship that you have with your sport. Now, this one is so powerful that I tell a lot of my athletes, look, the relationship that you have with your sport is more important than the performance itself. It's like, well, no, that's not true. It can't be. I I have to train hard. I I have to work on being the best and constantly uh, winning and doing well. It's like, yeah, but what's your relationship with losing? That's terrible. And I break down. I can't lose. Okay. Well, then you better start working on your relationship with your sport. Because if you have a really bad toxic relationship with your sport, you're only going to be happy when things are perfect. And how often are things perfect? Rarely, if ever. And even if they are, let's say perfect, for people who are looking for it to be perfect, it's still not perfect. There's something about it. There's some nuance that's like, you know what? No, that could be better. So, really tap into the relationship you have with the sport, understand, Hey, how do I treat myself when I'm not playing well or not performing well, when I am underperforming, when I feel stuck, when I feel sick or tired or when I'm losing, whatever it is, tap into that and think about, Hey, can I make that better? And then the deeper question becomes, well, if you can't make it better, then why can't you make it better? And if you can't make it better then most likely has to do with your beliefs about, Hey, there's a reason why I believe I don't deserve That I should be treated well. And that's a whole nother podcast that we can go into, but that's the other part there. The sixth reason why you may not be seeing any more improvements has to do with your competition schedule. And this is one that often gets confused by many athletes. I'm kind of surprised sometimes even by high level athletes, they um, just kind of fail to notice this, or they haven't recognized it yet. But training schedules and more importantly, competition schedules also play a major role in your development, right? In in your improvements and how fast you excel in competing and and getting good results. So when we look at this, we have to understand, you know, when it comes to your competition schedule, what does it look like? First off, do you have structure with your competition schedule or is it kind of winging it like, yeah, I check in and I, I see when I can compete from time to time. And I sign up here and there, or my parents sign me up every once in a while. Or is it more like, yeah, I only compete when I feel ready. So I'll go train for four months or six months or even two months at a time. And then I'll compete. Or is it Patrick? I train every, I'm sorry. I compete every single week. I compete twice a week if I can. And I never take a week off all of those examples are not good. Okay. And it could be you and I'm not picking on you. I'm just kind of shedding awareness here so that everyone understands how to modify their schedules more effectively. But let's think about what that means. Big problem many athletes make is they schedule competitions too infrequently. They do not face competition enough. And the problem with this is that a lack of facing competition means a lack of exposure to pressure, which then increases sensitivity to pressure. So when athletes fail or shouldn't use the word fail, when they, they lack competition, when they lack practicing and training in those moments, then as a result, their sensitivity increases. So the next time they go to compete, that competition means more to them. And then as a result they end up feeling more nervous. And a lot of times they end up underperforming. And if they're unaware of this, then they a lot of times get upset at themselves and it affects the relationship. Then we have to look at the mindset. Then we have to readjust the goals, see where we're going with this. Like everything is interrelated with each other. So we have to understand how to structure the ideal competition schedule. Now we have the other extreme where it's like, okay, well, the athlete is... Competing every single week and then trying to find another competition another one, that's another problem, right? Because the body's not getting rest and you're not receiving enough time to train and to develop your performance more. Not to mention that it is, it is called an anxiety trap, right? It's an anxiety trap. You're getting stuck in this anxiety trap and you're trying to chase something or run away when in reality that's just increasing anxiety more. So we need to have some type of balance. Now, I'm not here to tell everyone what the exact formula is. You have to do this with trial and error, but a better way of managing competitions in an ideal world, at least, would be to get exposure frequently, right? Frequent exposure with some periodic times or moments of rest. Meaning for some athletes I have, and I've had world-class professional athletes do this, where they will compete two times or two weeks in a row, and then they'll rest at least one week. When I say rest, it doesn't mean they're physically resting, but that means they're training, right? They're just training and and working on conditioning and really working on fine-tuning their performance. And then they go compete for another two weeks and then they take another week off, or maybe they'll compete for three weeks in a row. And then they will take two weeks off. But then for some of you athletes, you have seasons and that's, that's really different, right? So some of the athletes I work with, you know, you guys are on team sports and you have these seasons where you don't have the autonomy of choosing. So then we have to focus more on it on a micro level. So it's like, okay, well, yeah, you have uh, home games and away games, but whatever time you have where you can get a little bit of break, you want to be able to purposely look at your schedule and block out times just to have breaks. Or of course, if you have times for training, you need to look at that as well and understand where you're going to block out the training. And if it's seasons, then, you know, you have to push through the season and the off season, you want to schedule that accordingly. So that's the other one too, the seventh and the last reason, at least for today that we're going to go into of why you may not be improving anymore, right? You may not be seeing more improvements is due to a lack of rest. And this kind of feeds into the last one, right? When there is a lack of rest, there are a lot of problems that occur. The obvious one first is the physical when athletes do not receive enough rest it opens the door for possible injury. It opens the door for possible overuse of joints and muscles. We have tendonitis, for example, shoulder issues, back issues, all kinds of problems. Now, that's the physical part. That's kind of the obvious one. But then we have the other component, which is the mental. When there is no rest for the mind, the brain cannot consolidate what it learned. So if we're constantly constantly training, 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 training with no rest, no days off, unless you're in a sport that's highly athletic, like let's say running or maybe swimming. Um, and, and still that's highly mental. But if we're talking about sports that have more range of motion, so a, a lot of fluid uh, technical nuances, then in, in those areas, it really relies on rest as well. Cause your brain needs time to start to take the information of all the hard work, consolidating it, making it or simplifying it, streamlining it. So that way, when you go out there to compete and train again, now it becomes easier. But without the rest, that's really difficult to do. At least looking at new studies right now, it's very difficult to do. So you want to start to respect rest more. And sometimes rest, we can look at it more at a micro level and say, okay, well, what about rest in regards to sleep? Well, let's try to modify that. Can you get one more hour of sleep a day? I have some of my athletes adding in naps a day. So like, okay, I I want to, my goal is to get you know, 12 hours of sleep. And that sounds like a lot or 10 hours of sleep. So maybe they're getting nine hours of sleep. So then they, between their two practices, they're putting an hour in between just for a nap and they're seeing better results. Once again, this is not a cookie cutter approach. So you have to understand your sport. You have to understand your schedule, what life events you have and what your goals are. But you know, that's the other big part there. So those are the seven reasons of why you may not be improving right now, or why you may feel stuck, be feeling stuck. Um, but you know, this is just of course a kind of brief overview and we go way more into it in the program, but I hope that helps. And, and definitely start working on those. We're not perfect beings, right? We're always learning and, and see this journey, see it as a journey that there isn't a finish line. You're just consistently getting better and knowledge is power, right? Especially when you apply it. So, definitely work on these areas here. Um, and yeah, I look forward to bringing more podcasts. Like I said, we're going to be doing one every single week. And we're going to also have some exciting guests on too. I'm really looking forward to sharing a little bit about what I do with the athletes. So at least some of them will have a voice, which is really cool. And some of the top coaches too. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but you know, if you haven't already definitely subscribed to this podcast. Also something I haven't mentioned yet. Uh, we have a lot of other social media forms. So, you know, I know some of you guys use Instagram or Facebook or TikTok. We're on all of those. So definitely check those out as well. I believe the TikTok is Patrick Alban SPMI. The Instagram is SPMI+. And then we have the Facebook one, which is SPMI+. And Twitter is SPMI+. Pretty much almost all of them are SPMI+. We also have a YouTube channel too, which is great. Definitely check that out. That's, I believe, SPMI TV. So there's just a lot of great content out there that you can just grab and, and you can learn on your own too. If you are interested in getting started and working one-on-one, uh, please reach out as well. And for that one, I would even recommend going to the website, gospmi.com. So g-o-s-p-m-i.com. There you can you know fill out a, a form or just you know definitely request a consultation. And um, you know, I'll be more than happy to get on the phone and talk to you guys. But Yep, I definitely wanted to share some really good information today. Uh, Be on the lookout for more podcasts and uh, we'll talk next time. Take care, guys.